It's the post-election episode of Today in Ohio, the news podcast discussion from Cleveland.com and The Plain Dealer. We have our chief political writer, Seth Richardson, here to provide the analysis. We've got Lisa Garvin and Laura Johnston to provide the news. We're going to have a good conversation. All politics, all the time. We'll be picking up other news stories from yesterday in tomorrow's conversation. Let's begin. Lisa, who won the Ohio Republican primary for the U.S. Senate seat? J.D. Vance managed to take that Trump endorsement and pull away from a very closely crowded field. He got 32% of the vote last night. Uh, The closest to him was Mandel with 24% of the vote. So he got 86,000 votes less than J.D. Vance. Dolan, surprisingly, in third. And he was surging late as the polls, you know, were starting to close. He got 23% of the vote. So Dolan came in third place. I, I have some Democratic friends who crossed over to vote for Dolan yesterday. Mike Gibbons, despite his $17 million out of his own pocket that he spent on this campaign only got 12 percent of the vote and then tim kin came in last with six percent i cannot imagine waking up today having spent 17 million dollars on a futile cause it's just got to be horrible (laughs) seth the whole talk about vance is about trump but the fact is way more people voted against him than voted for him he got the most of any individual candidate but he didn't get the majority of the votes by any means. What do you think this says for for Trump overall? I hesitate to read too much into that just because it was a crowded field and this campaign had been going on for essentially 18 months at this point. So each of these candidates had really sort of uh, already built a base of support. I think what you can look at with the the whole Trump thing is you did have this um, you know pocket of undecided voters or whatever that probably broke toward Vance on election day because of the Trump endorsement. And I think if you put it into context with the other races around the state, all of Trump's endorsed candidates did win, and that includes in some competitive races. So uh, he clearly still holds sway. I, 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 you know, I initially looked at that as well and said, well, you know, this because I, I, I'm I haven't looked at all the numbers yet, but I have to imagine that this is probably one of the lower totals for a primary winner in a statewide contest. Mm-hmm. Um, but you know, you also had all the candidates basically coming in and saying, yeah, we're going to vote for him. I, you know, I talked with Mike Gibbons the other day where he said functionally the same thing i you know had this line i'd vote for a a doorknob before i vote for a democrat yeah but 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 pull back though i mean dolan was the anti-trump although i really think dolan screwed up he did not really position himself as the anti-trump he just said i'm not pledging fealty to trump and i wonder if he'd have come out and said we have got to stop Trump's influence on this party. I'm an independent guy, blah, blah, blah. If he would have been more forceful, I wonder if it would have made a difference. But you also have Mandel, who in the last few weeks of the campaign, his supporters were pounding on Vance and some saying bad things about Trump. So, I, you know, I'm not sure that, that that's all Trump support. I mean, a whole lot of people did not vote in the Republican Party for Trump's choice. Yeah, but when I was talking to supporters over the weekend, like the final weekend of the election, you know, and I was talking to Mandel supporters at an event that he had, and they said, yeah, you know, I still support Trump. I just think he got it wrong on this one. He maybe was misled or anything like that. They were really sort of taking the blame off of him, you know, blame in quotes there, um, off of him for the Vance endorsement. So, and, and, and again, I think, you know, we see that Republican voters are much more likely to coalesce around a candidate than Democratic voters. So I don't think you're going to have this uh, division. Now, with with the Dolan voters, I could maybe see some there. But um, 
you know, I, I, I don't think it's going to be a huge amount by any stretch. What I think is interesting ahead, here Lisa. is that um, nobody, the only people who have immediately thrown their weight behind Vance in the general is Rob Portman. He's back. He said that almost immediately after the results became clear. And then Timken says that she supports J.D. Vance, but we have yet to hear from uh, Mandel and Dolan and Gibbons. Uh, 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 no, Ma- well, Ma- Mandel and Gibbons both said that they would support Vance. Oh, they did. Okay. Well, look, and, and look, let's just be really happy today that Mandel didn't win because <laughs> he is a venal, horrible human being whose campaign was gross. And now Laura can watch Jeopardy with her kids in peace. Um, <laughs> I, so, I would argue they were all gross. I mean, the J.D. Vance commercials were pretty horrific, too. Seth, the, the fact that Portman endorsed Timken, went out with Timken, did all sorts of things with Timken, and Timken really tanked, says that Portman has very little influence, right? I I think that is probably true, yeah. Um, You know, there was all this talk, you know, when Portman decided not to run again, uh, you know, saying that, oh, there's polling out there that shows him losing a contested primary or something of that nature. I I haven't seen that personally, so I, I, I don't know one way or another. But you do have to imagine, given the tenor of this race and sort of where the Republican Party is, like uh, a Republican like Portman isn't he, he's he's not in line with kind of the the rank and file of the Republican Party at this point. Right. He's a Republican for 10 years ago, not a Republican for today. Right. And yeah, I mean, you look at you look at Jane Timken's results. I mean, six percent. She was closer to Mark Bukita and Neil Patel, these you know, yeah. more marginal candidates than she really was to even, you know, uh, you know, even like Mike Gibbons, right. <laughs> you know, who got fourth. Um, yeah. so it, 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 that was, that was very surprising. It was just, I mean, a poorly run campaign overall. She just thought she was going to come in with this Trump endorsement and then apparently didn't have a backup plan for when that didn't happen. Okay. You're listening to today in Ohio. All right, let's look at the other side. Who won the Ohio Democratic primary for the U.S. Senate seat, Laura? Tim Ryan. I mean, this was never really a question, right? The gap was so big that the AP called the race as soon as the absentee ballots were posted. And he basically had 70% of of the vote all night. Next race, uh, next was Morgan Harper, a former attorney at the Consumer Financial Protection Bureau. And then Tracy T.J. Johnson, a Columbus tech executive and activist. So not a surprise there. It'll be interesting to watch Ryan um, face J.D. Vance in the fall. Well, Seth, the whole picture, the conversation that we're having this morning is very different than the conversation we would have had if we got these results two days ago because of the leak Mm -hmm. of the Roe v. Wade decision by the Supreme Court that would overturn it. It's a draft. It's not final, but it has electrified America. Seventy percent of Americans believe in the right to abortion and the Supreme Court all these old white guys are going to take it away. So how does that now affect this race in November? you got to think this is going to be a key factor in November, Ryan versus Vance. I assume it will be on the Democratic side, but I, I think the thing that we have to remember is that Tim Ryan was anti-abortion up until about 10 years ago. So there's I wouldn't be surprised if he's met with some skepticism by, uh, you know, people on the left or even, you know, the center who just are, um, you know, sort of like, well, you know, is he or isn't he kind of thing? Uh, yeah, I, I imagine that you're going to have um, a lot of organizing around this. And again, you're going to see a ton of money flood into this race from, you know, 
NARAL or Emily's List or anything like that. Maybe not Emily's List. They support women's candidates. But yeah, NARAL, Planned Parenthood, those sorts of organizations, because this is one of the few states where Democrats have an opportunity at a pickup. I think it's a really slim opportunity, but it's still an opportunity in a really tough election environment for them. Yeah, I'm not sure it's that slim. I think there are so many things at play for the rest of this year that could affect this race that it's hard to, to call. You, you would think, given that Ohio leans red these days, that Vance is in a good position. But I, I don't know. We'll have to. I mean, I, I think it, uh, Sherrod Brown is our only statewide elected Democrat, right? And so no, maybe. You got, got Jennifer Bruner. She's... Okay. Okay. Well, Sherrod's Sher- but... the only partisan. He's the only one who's reigned with a D next to his name. My point being, so Tim Ryan has molded himself in the Sherrod Brown um, mold. And so maybe that will make a difference. But I think this would be a much closer race if we were talking about a Nan Whaley, uh, J.D. Vance competition, which obviously we're not. But um, that, I think, would have energized people more. I don't know how excited people are going to get. I, I, would, I, would Ryan. I think I would agree with that. But think about it. This ruling will open the door to take back gay marriage, abolish that enforce rules on contraception a bunch of rights that americans have now taken for granted are now in jeopardy and you've got to think that's going to make a difference at the polls republicans were more afraid of this ruling than democrats were because i think they know it could affect how people vote this fall so do you think uh, calls for expanding the supreme court might you know weigh in at least on the democratic side in this race yeah, I think I think what happened two nights ago with Politico getting that ruling a good what four to six weeks before it would come out are going to galvanize well, voters in a way I, we can't imagine. Well, the thing I agree th- with that because I talked to somebody yesterday who's you know has a master's degree is is usually pretty up in the news and was like, oh, who's on the ballot? Like, what election is this? And I think they just they think about national issues. They're not paying attention in a, in a state primary, and this. You know, people care about abortion. This is a huge issue, and it will make people pay attention. Seth, final word on the governor's race. Yeah, I mean, I think the thing that we have to realize is that this state has shifted pretty hard to the right, though. Like, I, mm-hmm. I, I think, you know, we can't, you know, we yeah, we talk about Sherrod, and Sherrod has been the exception to the rule over the past decade, essentially. And you look at the just the numbers from the primaries, right? You have Republicans outvoting Democrats by two to one. Now, you can say, okay, it wasn't a contested race or anything like that. But let's even go with the theory that Matt Dolan voters are more likely to vote for Tim Ryan voters. And you're talking about 750,000 votes to five hundred thousand votes more republicans voted in tim ryan's home county and mahoning county than democrats did like that is that's 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 a those are problematic numbers for tim ryan going into the general election okay you're listening to today in ohio who won the democratic primary for the ohio governor's seat lisa i don't think anybody saw this blowout coming i was certainly surprised by the gap between the two candidates nan whaley takes it with 65 percent of the vote that was over a hundred thousand votes over uh her opponent john cranley the cincinnati mayor he got 35 percent of the vote um and uh, nan whaley immediately extended an olive branch to uh republican voters who didn't vote for DeWine. She said we should unite as Ohioans. So we'll see. Yeah, but that, that that's like a 30-point gap. I was really shocked by that. 
Seth, how much did the leak of the Ohio Supreme Court ruling on abortion factor into this? Do you think a bunch of women woke up yesterday and said, no way, I'm not voting for men to make rulings about my bodies. I'm going to go vote for the woman candidate. I think it definitely helped her with election day totals, but it's probably important to realize that uh, Nan was Nan Whaley was winning by a two to one margin and even the early vote totals. So she was she kind of was leading this thing for really from the beginning. But yeah, in terms of election day totals, I'm sure that it absolutely helped her. What do you what do you attribute this to? Because I, nobody saw it. Everybody thought Cranley had made a surge. You know, Whaley started campaigning long before Cranley and wrapped up a bunch of endorsements by people like Sherrod Brown. But Cranley was out there and, and really pushing it. And I thought most people were thinking this would be close. But but it, there, there was no doubt. I mean, she trounced him. I, I mean, I thought he was running a you know, pretty decent campaign. At least it seemed that way. Right. I went to a couple of events and he seemed to be well received, but I mean, it, it maybe people just want something kind of new. You look at John Cranley and he has some of those same problems of, you know, like the old democratic, uh, uh, dogma, right? He's he's a formerly pro-life guy, right, or anti-abortion guy. Um, right. He's not particularly popular in his home county, it would appear, since that county split fifty-fifty. Um, meanwhile, Nan has sort of built a profile as a more exciting candidate, kind of a uh, forward-looking candidate, right? Not to say that you know, you know, John Cranley didn't have forward-looking ideas or anything like that, but uh, you also just look at the democrat demographics of the Democratic Party and. I, I think they are more inclined to support a woman candidate at this point than they would a, you know, white guy. All right. So, Lisa and Laura, there's a wrinkle in this that factors into stories we've been talking about a good bit. Cheryl Stevens is Nanwelli's running mate. Cheryl Stevens is on the Cuyahoga Council where they're giving themselves slush funds. We've had <laughs> multiple front page headlines about slush funds and Cheryl Stevens is key in that because she was spending hers before legislation had even been introduced to create the $66 million in slush funds, something that raises questions about sunshine law. So you're Nan Whaley. Now you're, you're on the ballot. You're going in the November. How comfortable are you having a running mate who is in the middle of a controversy in Cuyahoga County that will not abate Involving slush funds. But does that matter outside of Cuyahoga County? I mean, I wonder if it matters with downstate voters, you know, about the lieutenant governor. Oh, I don't governor. know. You put an ad where you clip the headline that says slush funds, right? And you put that on the TV and people don't care what the context is or where where it's happening. Like, they just know slush funds are bad, right? And they're linked to controversy and maybe corruption. I I think it, it is a problem. I do think, though, that people do not pay very much attention to the running mate. I mean, I don't think people... People are voting for DeWine because of John Houston. I, I mean, yeah, but... how, how you could say to John Houston, look, you screwed thousands and thousands of Ohioans with um, unemployment payments. Look what you did during I, the pandemic. I, I, and I don't... They will. Mm-hmm. They will say that. There'll be ads that say that. Look, you can't think DeWine and Houston have not noticed the slush fund story. They, there's no way they're not going to use that. You know, Nan Whaley's running mate is immersed in controversy because she and her colleagues are creating slush funds to spend as they want. 
probably in violation of the county charter. That's powerful stuff. Mm -hmm. And you got to think it. So I wonder if this impedes the slush funds. I wonder if Cheryl Stevens goes to Pernell Jones and says, hey, can we stop this and not create these? I I think that uh, DeWine and Houston might want to hesitate a little before they start talking about slush funds and corruption, considering, (laughs) you know, the the first energy stuff. So they might want to take this a different way in terms of, you know, maybe not focus so much on corruption in this race because that's going to lead to people probably asking, well, yeah, but you know, weren't like people in your administration tied to HB six. So, but but Seth, that's coming anyway. I mean, this is the same argument that Nan Whaley is not going to miss the opportunity to show DeWine and Houston immersed in first energy. That's coming no matter what. So you're not going to divert that conversation by not attacking the slush funds. We'll see. I just, I think this wasn't going to be discussed before the primary, but if I were running for governor against somebody that was immersed in this controversy the way Cheryl Stevens is, there's no way I wouldn't use that in ads. I think it's a little provincial, too, where, yeah, you might get a mailer up here about it, but I don't think you're going to see it necessarily on TV because, um, you know, somebody in Franklin County or wherever, any other county in the state, maybe doesn't totally understand it and you have to explain it a little bit. It might confuse voters. I'm going to clip this audio, Seth, and when the ad comes <laughs> out, we'll talk about All right, it then. That's fair. That's fair. It's today in Ohio. Shipping can make or break a sale, so optimize how you ship your orders with ShipStation. They make it easy to automate and manage orders no matter how big your business grows. And they might even be able to help reduce shipping and warehouse costs. So optimize and keep up your momentum for growth with ShipStation. Sign up for your free 60-day trial now at ShipStation.com and use the code P-O-D. That's ShipStation.com with the code P-O-D. Who won the Republican primary for the Ohio governor's seat? Laura, this was not a surprise, although he got fewer votes. More people voted against him than voted for him. Yeah, it's DeWine, and you are giving me all the really easy ones to to know. But uh, the AP called this one with 17% of the vote in, and DeWine got 48% total. Jim Renacci, a former congressman, had 28%. And Cowboy Joe Blystone, you've seen his signs, but literally we've never gotten a picture of him. He really never participated with us. He got 22%. So, Seth, Jim Renacci didn't embarrass himself in this. He, he, he had a halfway decent showing. But well, like I said, more people actually voted against the wine than voted for him. Does that surprise you with an incumbent? I actually sort of look at this the other way. I kind of expected that more people would vote against him than for him, uh, just because we've seen on the Republican side how much um, animosity there has been towards him. And you did have four candidates in that race. I was actually surprised at how high he did with coming, like approaching 50%. He's at 48%. That's not great for an incumbent. Don't get me wrong. But um, I, I thought he would be more in the 41, 42 range of, uh, of the vote total. And I think Seth has a really good point here that this is the primary. This is where you get the most partisan voters to come out. These are not the centrist people. These are not people who generally are independents pulling ballots. And the turnout in Cuyahoga County was only 18 percent. So, I mean, we're talking about a small section of the electorate that is making this decision. There is dissatisfaction with the wine in the party, though. That's clear because there were a lot of people that did not vote for him, something that I, I think 
you would not have predicted in the early days of the pandemic? No, but I feel like the most partisan Republicans are the ones that have had the biggest problem with the wine, with shutting down everything during COVID and keeping um, regulations on for, you know, masks and stuff like that. They were pushing back the entire time. So, Seth, what do you expect of, of this race? Nan Whaley versus Mike DeWine. How do you think they're going to go about trying to win this thing? I think Mike DeWine is probably just going to really stick to the economic side of things, right? He's going to point to the Intel deal. He's going to point to, he's going to, you know, the, the thing is, is he's going to probably use ARPA funds, right? And say, well, yeah, I gave money to Appalachia and then maybe not mention that he didn't support the recovery act and uh, said he would have voted against it if he were in the Senate, but he'll point to that, you know, those sorts of things and um, probably try to make this uh, leadership, um, this leadership play, right? Is it is it really time to switch administrations when we're on the cusp of greatness? You know, some some line like that would be my guess. Uh, you know, for Whaley, I mean, it's obviously just the opposite, right? She's going to hammer corruption. She's going to hammer HB6. She's going to talk about, you know, this being the uh going on the second decade of Republican, a Republican Party stranglehold over state government in the state. She'll probably try to point to some of the more partisan things he's done as far as gerrymandering. And I do think that he probably, or that she probably has a good point going back to the row point earlier of the heartbeat bill. I think that could become a a pretty significant factor in this race. Hmm. This is, she is the first woman, right? To ever be the, on the ballot for governor. uh, Yes. Right. And I think what you talked about earlier with the abortion and between um, Tim Ryan and J.D. Vance, I think this is going to play a huge role because if abortion becomes a state's rights issue, like who are you going to vote for if you believe in, you know, a woman's right to choose? Like, I think this is going to be huge. Yeah, I think I think it matters much more in the governor's election than it does in the Senate election. Do you think. With Jennifer Bruner running for chief justice and Nan Whaley running for governor, Tim Ryan running for Senate, do you think they're going to try and run as a unified message, as a ticket, or do you think they're all going to be running disparate campaigns? The Democrats have a history in Ohio of blowing it. Are they going to get it together and and really try to make a wave? Well, I, I think they're going to run as a unified campaign, whether they'll get it together and actually win. That's a you know a completely different hypothetical. Uh, yeah, no, I think I think they'll try to come together on a lot of things because they you know they've all talked about um, some of the similar issues, right? I mean, this this gerrymandering thing that's going to be a pretty big topic for really all three of them to talk about. Oh, you know, Republicans uh, doing what they've done over the past 10, 12 years to stay in power. I think that's a, a fairly powerful message. I think you've got the corruption angle as well that uh, Tim Ryan and Nan Whaley are probably going to hammer on. Um, you know, I, I think it's probably like Jennifer Bruner and um, Nan Whaley are probably going to be a little more simpatico just because they're state based politics, whereas Tim Ryan will want to focus more on the national issue. And probably some of uh, J.D. Vance's like outside uh, funding from Peter Thiel and those sorts of uh, sources. And, and don't you think I mean, I think that J.D. Vance is going to make that a very different race. Like, I can't see that being a super positive bunch of campaigns, whereas I feel like DeWine doesn't is not going to be that horrific with his ads. We haven't seen that from him in the past to go really low blows and really negative. I don't know. DeWine can be, he can be pretty way. vicious. Yeah. DeWine, and his, he, yeah. He, he, <laughs> all right, all right. Yeah. I, I think it's going to stay cleaner than a J.D. Vance, Tim Ryan. Right? All right, all right, got to move on. You're listening to Today in Ohio. 
Who won the battle for the Cleveland congressional seat? Lisa, Seth's going to say he was not surprised by the margin when we bring him into the conversation, but I was. I was a little surprised, and actually she increased her margin. Uh, Chantel Brown, the incumbent, kept her seat last night. She got 63.5% of the vote, and that's compared to 50% in her last matchup with opponent Nina Turner. Um, Of course, Chantel Brown got a lot of -of out-of-state money. She got President Biden's endorsement, a lot of national endorsements. Nina Turner picked up 36.5% of the vote. She focused on the new parts of the district. Now, the 11th is, is new. I'm now in the 11th district. I used to be in the 14th. So the 11th district lost parts of Summit County. Uh, they gained new sections of Cuyahoga County, including Lakewood and the Hillcrest area. So the district is about 30% new. So Nina Turner was focusing on these new areas in her campaign, but ultimately to no avail. Seth, I asked you a couple of weeks ago how much incumbency would matter, even though Chantel Brown has only been the incumbent for four months. You said it would make a difference. It looks like you were way right. Yeah, especially, well, we know that Cuyahoga County and just Northeast Ohio in general really values incumbency. They are not necessarily ones to um, wholly take on these kind of upstart candidates. I mean, when Justin Bibb sort of, you know, came on the scene, right, that was a little surprising, right? It it wasn't uh, the the norm, so to speak, of uh, politics in Northeast Ohio. Uh, And I think that people saw how ugly the race was in 2021 and really wanted to, you know, just didn't have the appetite for it. They didn't have an appetite for this knockdown drag out fight. And the other point being that Biden is still pretty popular up here among Democrats and, you know, what they, he wasn't as, he wasn't uh, involved, like personally involved in the uh, special election, right? He didn't come in and endorse for anything, right? I'm sure there were uh, machinations at play and whatnot, but uh, yeah, that was certainly a factor as well. I mean, she just she trounced her, and there's no doubt about who the Democrats prefer in the congressional seat. You know, we Chantel Brown still has to win in November, but there's no way she won't. The Democrat will trounce the Republican candidate. Uh, interesting to to see that play out that way. Some people thought it might change. It's today in Ohio. Did voters in Cleveland Heights vote for a multi-use development to fortify the Cedar Lee District with new residents, or did they reject that initiative and demand a park? Laura, we talked about this yesterday. This was another blowout. It was. It it was losing from the very beginning, and that gap only grew as the night wore on. So I think, Chris, you are very right. Cleveland Heights voters are involved and not easily fooled. So they voted down the park and basically yes for this development that has been a long time in the works and going to bring a lot of apartments and rejuvenation to the district. Yeah, I mean, this was really an effort to fool the residents, right? Mm-hmm. Because the question said, you know, do you do you want to have a park? And yeah, of course, you're, when you first hear that, it's like, of course I want to park. That's how they got people to sign the petition. Mm-hmm. But it is such an engaged community <clears throat> that I think everybody understood what was going on. And what was the final? It was like 72%. 73 to 27. And I think we started out in the 60-40s with absentee votes. And then just as the night wore on, the gap just kept growing. Yeah, it was just a repudiation of a very cynical play by some people to to halt the development. So it was pretty interesting. 
Seth, any surprises in uh, the congressional races outside of Cleveland? Yeah, there was actually one race that I, I do think was surprising, and it was the 9th uh, District Republican primary. That's the Marcy Captors district, right? Uh, she obviously won her primary. She's one of the longest-serving members of Congress. But uh, J.R. Majewski, who is this sort of QAnon, very pro-Trump guy, he like painted a Trump thing in his field and whatnot, uh, beat out Craig Rydell and Teresa Gavarone, who were, you know, more entrenched, well-known candidates come from the state house and whatnot. Um, that, that seems like it's, you know, uh, Captor is in, that's a, that's a difficult district for her in this electoral environment, but that is a pretty, I think probably a pretty good poll for an opponent for her, uh, because now she can sort of run on this. Hey, is this like, are you, I've been in Congress for you know, 20, 30 or more longer than that, right? Like 40 years now. Um, is this the guy you really want to replace me as opposed to Rydell and Gavarone who can point to, you know, legislative accomplishments and whatnot. And then Max Miller won handily in his primary. Yes. Yeah. I, I, I think that was expected once it was sort of drawn that way. Um, really uh, no question about that. I will say one other thing that was a little surprising was that um, the 13th Republican primary, it was pretty close between Madison Jezioto Gilbert and Greg Wheeler. Um, I was I was actually surprised at how poor uh, Shea Hawkins performed there. He's a guy who's got, he's I think he's more well-known in Cuyahoga County, so that probably played a factor, and he's just not as well-known down there. But um, it was that was a closer race than I think a lot of people suspected. All right. You're listening to Today in Ohio. I, I think probably the most shocking winner of the night was Dolly Parton getting into the rock call. <laughs> Go figure. <laughs> Thanks for listening. Thanks, Seth. Thanks, Lisa. Thanks, Laura. We'll be back tomorrow to talk about some news.